This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. What if U.S. colleges just found $17 billion more dollars every year? We know education. We know the market's there. We know we can sell there. We're going to kick butt there. Education. In my experience, investors don't often get excited about startups in this field. It's a complicated world with all sorts of different players and moving parts. The government's involved. It just feels messy. But Marquette Burton is out to solve a fundamental problem in the classroom. And he thinks the payoff will be massive if he can secure the cash he needs to grow the business. I'm Josh Muccio, and from Gimlet Media, this is The Pitch. Our investors today, Phil Nadell. As a serial entrepreneur, Phil built companies that sold in the hundreds of millions of dollars. Now, he manages one of the largest syndicates on AngelList. Jillian Manis. Jillian is a partner at Structure Capital, where they've invested 98 million so far in high-profile startups like Uber. Charles Hudson. Charles is with Precursor Ventures, where he's invested 20 million in over 100 startups to date. Nicole Verkent. Nicole is a founder CEO whose previous companies did over 60 million in annual sales. Now, she's also an angel investor. Michael Hyatt. Michael built and sold two software companies for over $500 million. And now, he invests for himself. All right, on with the pitch. My name is Marquette Burton, CEO of Fletch. I was a teacher in Baltimore, and I sent high school students into university thinking that I had helped them lift themselves out of poverty but almost all of them dropped out of college. Turns out that that was not a problem limited to the disadvantaged or the poor. So question for you, what percentage of American undergraduates do you think drop out of college? Oh my goodness. 65%. Than, yeah, more than 50%. Is it that high? Probably 80. Oh. No, no, no. What's it in finish? Canada? Like, 70. 70%. No, I'm saying don't finish. 70% dropout. Dropout meaning don't finish your degree in six well, years. I'll right? go average of 35. All right. So I'm more with Phil. Okay, so you're yeah. more with Phil. So, so we'll take the 35, we'll nearly double it. It's about 50% that's of undergraduates will drop out. Yeah, That's huge. It yeah. is huge. And the problem is that for the students, they'll make a million dollars less over a lifetime of hard work. The dropout rate has grabbed a lot of attention in the U.S., and no one is paying closer attention to it than colleges and universities themselves, and for good reason. For colleges, they lose $17 billion in tuition every single year to dropouts. So the question for colleges is that, well, how do you figure out that a student's going to drop out early enough to actually prevent it? What is the earliest indicator that a student is likely to drop out? It is attendance. Fletch is an effortless solution that empowers colleges to take attendance without students or staff lifting a finger. Uh, we're raising a million dollars to scale our sales so that every college fighting the 
dropout crisis is able to serve their students. Can you talk about the Gazat product? So in short, we pop up one of these beacons into a classroom. Students come in, detects the presence of their phones, automatically takes attendance. Once you have certain patterns of absenteeism, it automatically will generate an email to your advisor and say, you know, hey, you should talk to uh, Jenna and Phil because these individuals are at greatest risk of dropping out right now. Fletch is this Bluetooth hub or beacon that colleges can put in their classroom. Students download an app, and then when they attend class, the beacon in the classroom pings the app on their phones, and boom, the college knows who's going to class. And Marquette says that that's just the tip of the iceberg. And this is really where the uh, IP comes into play, meaning algorithms that can automatically detect if it's actually a class, a system that can automatically detect if class was canceled, or if someone's trying to spoof and actually just walked in, stayed there for a couple minutes and walked out. What we're really doing is running some algorithms based on some research that we have that indicates there, there are two really important things, golden rules. Number one, if you miss any amount of time in the first two weeks of class, you are not going to complete or pass that class. Right. Secondly, if you miss, uh, if you attend less than 70% of credit hours, you're at risk of dropping out to two and three chance. Yeah, we. I'm an investor in a company that does something similar called Top Hat out of Canada. Yes. That yeah. So does a, yes. a mix of classroom engagement. And yes. so I'm a big believer in, I'm a big believer in the space. And I think you're right. Like having something in the classroom setting that, makes it easy for universities to detect, did this person actually come to class? Can you tell me more about how you think about the competitive landscape and sort of where you think flesh shines relative to the competitors? When you look at attendance, there's no one that does it in a way that's actually effortless, which Mm -hmm. is the real barrier. But beyond that, what folks don't realize is that federal financial aid legally requires colleges to take attendance. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the funny thing is colleges are saying they have the records and then when they get audited, that's when they get the million dollar fine. Well, so they can get fined or lose their funding if they're not taking attendance? Yeah. Certainly. So 85% of all college students are able to pay for it through federal financial aid. So if they do not have, for example, date of last attendance reports that are accurate or uh, be able to verify attendance, then they will get a fine. They'll have to return Title IV funds to the okay, government. which I'm not familiar that, with. Title, so, so how do yes. they do it now? Yeah, so what, what process I'll tell you what they're supposed to be doing now. What they actually are doing is a different thing. What they're supposed to be doing is that for every single day especially during the first two weeks of class, they take attendance and they send off a report to the government. How do they take attendance? The most common thing that you'll see in colleges is pen and paper. Fletch's automatic attendance record is definitely higher tech than pencil and paper, but new technology tends to have its own set of issues. There's always a way to game the system and and switching phones, paying other students to carry their phones into the classroom. So if yeah, you so really- we have some algorithms written to detect if you've gone in there only stay for five minutes or if you've gone and come back, you know, we can calculate up to like 10 minutes. We'll give you a 10 minute bathroom break. But other than that, we can figure out if you're trying to spoof the system. Secondly, in terms of actually handing off your phone to someone else and then going to do something else, the likelihood of that actually happening is minimal. Uh, out of the UK, they produce a study on nomophobia, which is an irrational <laughs> yeah. fear of being without your mobile phone for even <laughs> one hour. So how does the college get the student to download and keep the app on their phone? That's really the most important part of, you know, why we're a strong company. What I learned about, uh, you know, kind of the, the software sales and implementation in the higher ed market is that you actually have to show up in the classroom and have the student download. So what we literally do is we go to all of the high enrollment classes in the first week of class. And we have them download. 
So um, is it mandatory? That's right. Yes. It's mandatory. Yes. Okay. What's the incentive for the student to keep the app on their phone? So we designed it kind of after a technology called Yik Yak, which was a hugely popular technology that allowed the students to communicate in parallel and also post anonymously. So what we've done is on the social side of things, we've given students a Yik Yak experience. But the, your answer to the question is that the students keep it on their phones because they have a social component to Correct. it? Correct. Correct. And if they're not interested in that social component, there's no there's no financial incentive. In, well, there in, is, actually, because if me. your attendance is not captured, the school is supposed to get the funds back from you, the individual, to return to federal financial so, aid. Okay, that's important to yes. point out. So yeah. you're saying that the school can threaten the, ki- the students by saying, look, if you take this off your phone, we're g- coming back to you to collect the money. Yeah. Yes. Tell us a little bit about where the business is today. How many colleges have signed on? Tell us all about the business. So we have closed five deals. Um, been with a, a variety of colleges. So DeVry, number one, kind of paradigmatic of the type of college we like to close. Um, and, and a couple okay, others. So pick one. Pick pick DeVry. Yes. How much money do you make from that? Like, what's the business model? Oh, good question. So, so simply put, the business model is $9 per student per term. So $18 per student per annum. Tell us where you're going with the company. Let's say, let's say if I say to you, I'm not that interested in your attendance platform because I think it's a feature, not a product. And it's got a hurdle because it's not only a feature, I've got to put in a piece of hardware. So I'm moderately interested, not that interested. Tell me where you're going with this business. Why? Where's the big data? Where's, where's the good stuff here? Good question. So once you get a platform, and for example, at UNLV, we're actually not only doing the class attendance, we're doing the library, we're doing the tutoring centers, we're doing their workshops, all these other things. And the second thing that they ask is, can we use this for employee time and attendance? Um, so just to give you context, um, the uh, secretary of the Department of Education in Puerto Rico uh, has 50,000 employees called me up on Christmas and said, hey, can we use this for employee time and attendance? Uh, we ran some numbers for them. At the very lowest, we could save them $6 million per month. And that's assuming that every person takes an extra 10 minutes on lunch. If everyone took an extra 10 minutes on lunch, it costs the uh, the department about $6 million per month. So, so this is the employees working in Precisely. The- Marquette has just introduced another way to use Fletch. And that's got the investors thinking. Let's have one kind of more philosophical question. From the way you talk about it, it sounds like schools are down here and your solution can get them to near perfection. But maybe your customer in the academic environment doesn't need near perfection. Whereas these employment ones, like you talk about, that's like real money. Mm -hmm. Like those are people who are like cheating 15 minutes per shift at a factory. That adds up really quickly. And I wonder if like, if you're going to go through the trouble of having something that's this accurate and this precise, is the workplace use case maybe more compelling? You might be making schools better than maybe they even feel like they they need to be. Sure. And like, I just wonder if the, the best use case for this might be somewhere where the ROI is much stronger for the entity that, that rolls it out. So that's really interesting. And number one thing for us is, you know, this is our vertical. We're going to kick butt here. And the neat thing about what you're talking about is we don't have to change actual product to deploy it in those other settings. And I think that we will learn about that. We're keeping our eyes open to figure out which industry is the first one we should start in. And we've had a lot of conversations, uh, whether it's with uh, construction firms or with call centers or co-working spaces. So why did you pick education to start with? I didn't pick education to start with in terms of this technology. Uh, The market educated us to this. So 
after doing a ton of customer discovery and talking to, you know, the head honcho at every university, you know, all these presidents, they kept repeatedly saying, if I knew if students were going to class, that would move the needle hugely for me. And then they started talking about the fines that were happening. And I asked myself, you know, well, let's see what's out there. And once we we looked, it was pretty empty. Um, you know, even though you think there's more money product. in schools than than Charles's point of a factory actually losing lunch money, not time? at all. But so, so again, no, why but, then, did you but why? Start? But but okay. Because there, one, there, there's already a lot of money in schools. So, for example, seventeen billion dollars in tuition being lost every year. I'll buy that. So, did yeah. you? Uh, have you even tried to sell this to a factory in our training worlds? No, we haven't. We've had a lot of conversations with them, and we haven't figured out which vertical yet. So, so to answer your question, we're not against it. We just need to learn it. We know education. We know the markets there. We know we can sell there. We're going to kick butt there. We're happy to sell to another vertical because we know that's really where we become the billion-dollar business. But we have to figure out which one it is. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still a little confused about if you know that's the billion-dollar business, why wouldn't you start? There. He doesn't Why would you start? Education is what? one of the most. He says he doesn't know it. He knows right. We, we don't know. We don't know which one it is. Right. We've had conversations oh. with call centers, uh, co-working spaces, construction companies, Department of Education. Why would you start in education instead of trying to figure out which you know commercial sector makes the most sense to start with? That's what I'm struggling with. So, so to, to to respond to you, number one. And we've already made sales on this product and this with this. Uh, but, but you couldn't have made sales until you tried to make sales. In other words, why did you right. go after it instead of trying to make sales in a commercial environment? Because we haven't known the demand. The worst thing you can do is go after something you, that, that's terra incognita. We don't know. But what I'm saying is, yes, we can do all the exploration, but it, it's still a black box. When we figure out what it is, that's when we go deep into it. But as I said, we've had conversations in four different industries and haven't yet found the one. We haven't learned what it is. So, but when we're ready to go in, we already have product together. We have sophisticated algorithms. We have the know-how. But yes, I, I agree with you. And we're that's we're already looking at that, but we have to figure out what it, just it is. It just feels like this million dollars you're raising, you're going to spend figuring out what you want to be a little bit. Well, we already as know what we want to be. As opposed to scaling something where you... You know, so, you know, market, you know so to be markets. clear, you know, I've when you mentioned the other industries, I always said we're in education, we're in ed tech right now, right. and there's a lot of money to get in ed tech. There's 17 billion dollars, and we can sell it on the retention side, and we can also sell it on the federal financial aid compliance side. 17 billion dollars lost in tuition. That's only the retention dollars. That doesn't account for colleges that are doing well with retention, but just want to be able to meet financial aid requirements. It's not that easy. I mean, no. that's the biggest problem is that the education path is fraught with a lot of policy issues. There are a lot of issues that I think have to be factored in here. Um, education is one of the hardest, education, healthcare. Those are the longest yes. sales cycles. Those are the most problematic. You hit on a very big point, which is the budget. Budgets in education, that is just the biggest monster, period, Mon meaning biggest uh, two-headed, three-headed monster. Um, and I think the money is not really there. You're, it's going to be a very long sales cycle, and, and that's why I'm out. Sure. Thank you for sharing that. Jillian is out, and so are we for a quick break. But when we come back, Marquette and the investors struggle to get on the same page. Anyone have any meaningful thoughts on where you would go? Because everyone can say, you know, go well, into just time and attendance. Just exactly what exactly I said. said. But, but I'm to saying which industry. Well, it, it almost doesn't matter it, which it, industry. Anybody that needs to take it, attendance. Yeah. 
This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. We talk to a lot of entrepreneurs on the show, and one thread that connects them all, they're not just pitching their business, they're pitching themselves. Because small business owners know that their business is more than just a company, it's their whole life. And State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, and they know what it takes. They can help you choose personalized policies to fit your budget. That's the personal touch. That's small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. Small business owners know that it's not just business, it's personal. Your business is your life, and State Farm gets that. State Farm agents are small business owners too, so they know what it takes. They can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. And they live and work in your community. So you're not just getting an insurance plan, you're getting that personal touch. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome back. Jillian just passed on Marquette Burton's education startup, Fletch. But the other four investors are still interested. Here's Phil. I don't think you mentioned um, on the million dollars you're raising what the terms are. Did you say? No, no, I did not say. What What are they? So uh, $3 million valuation cap. Mm-hmm. And how and, much have you raised? Uh, we've, we already have a 200K soft circle. Soft circle, okay. Yeah. So your early stage and that valuation is reasonable yeah. for your early stage, right? That. So um, I'm still a little bit on, on the fence with it. Walk me through your your experience selling to DeVry as an example. They're a big company, right? So how, how did you get in there? Why did they pick you? Let me hear Certainly. about that. So DeVry was actually shocking because they moved quicker, like, because the way DeVry works is because they have these disparate uh, campuses, but they have the same scope and sequence. So they wanted to have a place where they could push out highly targeted demographic-based resources to the students in real time. And so that's primarily what they use Fletch for, almost thinking of it as a support tickets system. That they I understand. Yeah. Okay. Based on that, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I was wondering. They're not, they weren't primarily interested in it for the in-class attendance feature. Mm-hmm. So it brings up the issue of we don't yet really know what you are mm-hmm. and what the best use case is going to be, even in the academic setting. The attendance in classroom could be good, you know, but when the messaging, there's too much here and we're not exactly sure what the school's, um, you know, use best use case is going to be. Plus, I think, big picture, I think it's better off in a commercial setting. Well, what would you want to see in terms of traction to say, okay, this is something that's viable? I think yeah, the traction you need is you need one customer that can yeah. tell a strong story about behavior change. Yeah. We put yeah. ROI. Yeah. ROI. You get one yeah. strong use case in the commercial sector, one, and this one. company, you like you're it. saying, Charles, one company CEO says, I saved you know, half a million dollars last yep. year on this, whatever, on we my fired, salaries. The cool thing about factories is there's so many of them out there that have like 100 employees, owner-operated. That's yeah. who you go to. I think this one's going to end up being a pass for me. 
I just have this nagging feeling that there's, if you're this committed to the accuracy of the solution, that there might be a better, more promising application of it. I don't have a position on what that is, but it feels like selling to schools is really hard. Yeah. And, and you've put a lot of thought into how to raise the bar in terms of accuracy. And it feels to me like I'd, I'd be excited if you came back to me and said, hey, we've decided that we're going all in on some other use case. I would, I would love to spend more time with you on that. But for this one, I, I can't quite reconcile those two things. With Charles, Phil, and Jillian all out, Marquette is down to two investors, Michael and Nicole. I don't like the education space and what you're doing. I would like you to be an enterprise product for businesses, for attendants, for workers, where there's mm -hmm. real money transacting involved. I think that's the higher value usage, and I think you're going to get there. Uh, so for me, I'm out. Anyone have any meaningful thoughts on where you would go? Because everyone can say, you know, go well, into what, time and attendance. Just exactly, what, exactly I said. what I said. But, but I'm to saying which industry. Well, I, it, it almost doesn't matter it, which it, industry. Anybody that needs to take it, attendance. Yeah. A factory, like it, you were saying. It's a high value because you know, it's an obvious ROI for the, for the, for the company. I mean, you, you can institute this very, very easily. If you, so, if you start selling the thing to, to commercial, you'll, you'll figure out which you know, sectors, if there are any, but I think it's an across the board, anyone who's taking attendance, anyone who's got like hourly workers, that kind of thing, uh, at factories, you'll, you'll- So you think you can go vertical agnostic? Yeah, I really okay. think so. I don't think it matters. Mm -hmm. They need this. I'm gonna pass as well. I spent a lot of the pitch kind of going back and forth and being a bit confused and then trying to picture where you're gonna be. And I think, but that's normal. So sure. don't take any of this as criticism. That's part of, that's a critical part well, of your process, good. Good process yeah. as a yeah. startup. But I, I think you're onto something with the funding, tying it to the funding somehow and mm -hmm. saying this is a critical piece of you keeping your title for maybe on the educational piece. Sure. But then I also can see, I. My very first startup was a factory, and I remember that that was critical because we were paying everybody by the hour, and it was like herding cats. And so I personally see an ROI there only because that's my that's the experience I've had. But listen, thank, thank you very you. much for coming. Hey, thank in. you. Thank very you. interesting. Thank Pleasure. you. Great, Jack. Thank you. Marquette leaves the room without funding, but he does have a lot to think about. Meanwhile, the investors are actually energized by this pitch. Just totally likable guy. He's very likable. You know what I loved about him he's is that likable. he's so open to learning and yeah. so open to our input. Yes. I think Phil asked the core question, which is why, if you don't know right. anything about any market, why yes. this one? But, well, because he comes, he comes from, from education. education. Yeah, but, but that's, that's a, a very, bad reason. That's, yes. a, bad re that's and, a bad reason. Yes. You don't pick Even the market with a long sales yes. cycle. He could pivot now and actually take this experience on the pitch pivot and come back in next year and have a terrific company with terrific valuation. See, now, education. if he made a deal with the government who provides, that provides the student loans and says you, that mandates you need to use this, that would be different. That'd be very cool. I caught up with Marquette a few months after his pitch and asked, how are things going? Going very well. Uh, we have actually closed out an angel investment, and we have a little bit more soft-circled. And we're really right now focused on adding in a few team members to hit this fall uh, really hard on the sales side. So Fletch is doing really well. So you don't have the, the million dollars filled out yet? Somewhere around halfway there, maybe? No. About 40%. 40%. Okay. So it doesn't sound like the round is coming together particularly quickly. 
um, which I'm sure is, is, is frustrating. I'm sure you want to have it closed and be moving on. We're really pleased about it um, because we're very selective about the capital. And we could close around quickly getting in money. We'd rather close around intelligently getting in folks who understand what we're doing in higher education. Uh, so that's a big focus. And also, we're selling. So, you know, splitting time between those two, we're very pleased about the progress. So the feedback in the room from the investors was <laughs> that you should skip education altogether and go for, you know, go for time and attendance for companies, for corporations, for factories. Like it was this discussion that went back and forth and you were like, what industry specifically? And they're like, anybody that has hourly employees could use this. You know, what did it feel like to get that kind of feedback in the room? Well, I think that, you know, it's important to always keep your ears open, especially when you have the privilege of getting feedback from intelligent, experienced people. Regardless, even smart people, you know, may say things that are, de- are you know, not necessarily wise advice. With a startup, you have limited resources, energy, capital, et cetera. You need to focus. So I said, well, which industry is ripe for this? No one had an answer. So what we're doing now is we spend 1% of our time analyzing opportunities where we can deploy Fletch without having to change the core technology. So I think there was some wisdom that they gave us, um, and we're using 1% of our time to, to see how that can make this a billion-dollar company. Yeah. You know, in the room, you did admit that some of these other, you know, opportunities outside of education were the bigger opportunity. You were like, yeah, that's going to be a bigger billion dollar business than what we can do in education. But yeah, 1%, like, do you think you can even make a dent like that? That's a meaningful question. Uh, but it would be unwise to prematurely invest resources into terra incognita, going into something that you don't know about. So until we find what that industry is, you know, we'll keep it minimal because after all, higher education, uh, there's $17 billion being lost in dropouts with tuition. So um, one of the main customers that you talked about in your pitch was DeVry. And at the end of the pitch, Phil asked a question about whether DeVry was actually using Fletch to track attendance or not. And you said no. DeVry was actually using it for messaging and communicating with students. And he ended up passing for that reason. So do you think Phil was just missing the point? Or do you think his reason for passing was valid? Well, even as Phil asked the question, you know, I thought it was a really insightful question on Phil's part. And you know, I commend him for that because at the end of the day, um, you can only do one trick well as a startup. And for us, mm-hmm. we do attendance and we're the first in the world in the way that we do it. And what we did when I sat down to talk about our business is we removed a lot of the ancillary things that Fletch does do. And we basically said, hey, the magic bullet here is attendance. And really, you know, Phil's question didn't so much change anything about the business, but our messaging. It just made the messaging sharper. It's like, you know, Phil, you're right. We need to be clear about who we are as Fletch, effortless time and attendance. And that's where we're uniquely skilled to serve, uh, you know, universities. Whoa. So are you saying you use that feedback to change how you pitch investors? Not only that, but also how we sell to universities. We, we pretty much just talk about effortless attendance. And I think that makes a lot more sense because, 
it's the simplicity that they really appreciate about Fletch. And that was a big lesson from, from the pitch and that day there with Phil and the others. Wow. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I, that. Oh, well, you know, you got to learn something, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're in yeah. higher education. We take our education every chance we get. Marquette's passion for education really shines through his pitch. But so far, my feeling about education being a really hard industry for investors to get excited about holds true, although I'd love to be proven wrong. So, big news, we're taking the pitch on the road for another live show, this time in Philly. Three startups will pitch live, only one will win, and that could be you if you're an early-stage startup from Philadelphia. So, if you know of a great startup that we should check out in Philadelphia, uh, send us an email, thepitch at gimletmedia.com, or if you yourself are running a startup in Philadelphia, again, that's thepitch at gimletmedia.com. And please do include the subject line, The Pitch at Wharton. And as always, thanks for listening. See you next week. Our show is produced by me, Josh Muccio, Kareem Maddox, and Molly Donahue. We are edited by Blythe Terrell. We're mixed by Enoch Kim, original music composed by The Musemaker. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Lisa Muccio planned the recording of this pitch. We discovered Fletch because of an introduction from Luke Dooley with Ocean Accelerator in Cincinnati, Ohio. So thank you, Luke. Here's our disclaimer. No offer to invest is being made to or solicited from the listening audience on today's show. All right, you've been listening to The Pitch from Gimlet Media. We'll be back with a brand new episode next Wednesday. This episode of The Pitch is brought to you exclusively by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's where State Farm Small Business Insurance comes in. State Farm agents are small business owners themselves, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, if you're looking for something else to listen to, you may like a similar episode from our archive. Episode 34, titled, Can Storytime Become Big Business? Similar to Fletch, the founder in that episode, Max Tuchman, wants students to do well in school. But that's where the similarities end. Listen to find out why Max believes the road to a better education starts in the home and how her startup, Caribou, can help make it happen.